Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we desire to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, lead pastor Daryl Anderson continues the series titled The Exodus with part three, The Fight. A two-part promise is given to the Israelites. The Lord will fight for you, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. This promise applies to us too as we embrace the truths related from today's passage. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Well, we'll continue in our series, The Exodus, and we're pulling out truths and principles uh, from the story of Moses and the Israelites when they are leaving Egypt and pursuing the promised land. And what we've mentioned before is that the overall story of the Exodus is a story of freedom, specifically for the Israelites, but universally for all of mankind. And we started with the call, and that kind of initiates everything. We've also talked about the move, and we said that anytime you answer the call of God, it's going to require movement, so you're going to have to be ready to move. This morning, I want to follow up and talk about the fight. Now, to, to discuss the fight, I have to kind of tie in a little bit with last week, and, and I'll just share this off, off the cuff. It's, kind of, it's funny to me. It may not be very funny to you, but when I was getting ready for this message, because we have to tie it in, after last week, if you remember, I had a big sign here that said here and a big sign here that said there, and we kind of walked through that with that visual. Well, after Sunday during the week, I, you know, as, as I do, I just got rid of all the props and kind of threw all that stuff away and said, well, I don't need that anymore. And I got into this message and realized, oops, <laughs> it's been really good to have that because we're kind of talking about that. But you're going to have to use your imagination this morning, okay? But if, if you remember, if you're here last week, you might remember. If you're not, if you weren't, we had a stand here that said here, and then a stand over here that said there, and here represents where I am presently, but there represents where I need to be, where God's calling me to be, where God wants me to be. And I mentioned last week that in between here and there is a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff trying to hinder you from getting from here to there. And this stuff in the middle can be roadblocks, it can be obstacles, struggles, battles, internal battles like fear and discouragement, all kinds of issues that are trying to block us from getting from here to there. Well, this morning, we're talking about the fight, and the fight represents all of this stuff. That's what we're talking about this morning when we talk about the fight, all of this stuff that's trying to keep us from moving from here to there. Hindrances, roadblocks, struggles, etc. What do we do in the midst of the fight? That's kind of what we're talking about this morning when we talk about the fight. The reality is, anytime God calls us from here to there, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a battle. Maybe sometimes we can move from here to there without any type of real struggle. But most of the time, there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some pressure. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. Now, the fight may be with our spiritual enemy, Satan, and all of his little demonic minions. The battle may be with our flesh because our flesh does not want to follow after God. It wants to follow after itself. It may be with the world and all the lure of the world and what the world's trying to communicate to us. 
the fight may be with what I just call life in a fallen world because our body's unregenerate, the world's unregenerate, things happen and life happens and things occur because we're in a fallen world. It could be any combination of these combatants, but all of these combatants make it difficult at times to move from here to there. So what do we do when we are in the midst of that fight? Our foundational passage is Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. We'll look at some other passages uh, as well this morning, but that'll serve as our base. Last week, we looked at verse 15, so we're just backing it up a couple of verses. Exodus 14, verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, the key promise that I want you to remember is this twofold statement. The Lord will fight for you, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. This passage, in fact, the whole story of the Exodus uh, has a twofold application. There's what I would call a prophetic application. And this is uh, the story of Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the story of a foreshadowing, if you will, a picture of the ultimate salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. We are dead in our sin. We are lost in our sin and death. Satan has this grip with us, this, the grip of sin and death because of original sin, because of our own sin. And Satan doesn't want to let go of that grip. But God knows our condition. And so he sends a rescuer. He sends a deliverer. He sends a savior who comes and releases us from that power of bondage of sin and death, and he frees us and gives us life. So in that sense, God fights for us, and we do see the deliverance of the Lord. But there's also a, a practical application. And this is where every day in our journey, in our struggle, in our fight to go from here to there, when we're trying to, to move forward in our relationship with Christ and in our maturity with Christ, we encounter all of these battles. This practical application is that God will fight for us every day in every single battle. And it's this practical application that I want to address this morning, that God is with us in the midst of all of our battles. Just so we know the context here in chapter 14, to kind of catch us up to where the Israelites are, Pharaoh has, has finally let Moses and the children of Israel go. All the plagues have already taken place, so Moses said, go. And so we see Moses and the Israelites uh, encamped in a, in a place that seems to have them hemmed in by the sea. Because of God's plan and his design, he has made it appear that the children of Israel are, are kind of lost. They're wandering around confused, and now they're stuck with no escape route. Well, meanwhile, Pharaoh has regretted his decision to let the Israelites go. Maybe because of the economic devastation he knows is going to occur when this huge labor force just left. But I think part of it is because of his ego, because Pharaoh thought he was God. He thought he was the greatest ruler on earth. And now Moses has duped him. This God of Moses, this God of Abraham has duped him, gotten the best of him. Now his ego is shot. So he said, no, I'm going to go back and get him. So he assembles uh, the best soldiers he can from his army, the best charioteers, and he takes out after the Israelites and he catches up to them. And in verse 10, it says, when the, when the Israelites see the Egyptian army, they are terrified. 
Well, God shares the plan with Moses. Moses shares the plan with the people. And the plan is, God's going to part the water. He's going to allow the Israelites to go through to the other side in safety and freedom. When the Egyptian army comes, God's going to release the water and all the Egyptians will be killed in the water. So by that dynamic, in that context, we have this twofold promise that, the, that God will fight for you and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. This word fight, um, it means to attack. It's an offensive word, an offensive word. It's not a defensive word. The idea here is any battle God is in, he is in control of. He's the one doing the battle. He's even initiating the battle, and he has complete control. In chapter 7 through 12, you see all the plagues taking place. And I think you remember the story of, you know, Moses tells Pharaoh, let the people go. And he says, no. So God does this miraculous work and does this plague. And so Pharaoh says, oh, okay, you can have him. And then he hardens his heart and says, no. And so that pattern just goes on and on and on. Well, it would be easy to think that Pharaoh's in control of that battle that Pharaoh's dictating that battle. And God's kind of back on his heels trying to discover, oh, well, that, that, that miracle didn't work, so let me think of another one. Well, that one didn't work, so let me, let me come up with another one. And maybe God's trying to come up with other options because nothing he's doing is working. And so God's kind of backpedaling. That's not the picture at all. It's the very opposite. God's the one on the offense, and Pharaoh's the one backpedaling, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. And that's the same story it is for us in this spiritual battle, in this fight that we find ourselves in. It may appear at times in your life that Satan is on the offensive because he's throwing his darts at us. He's attacking us. He is tempting us. But in reality, Satan is on the defensive because Satan already knows he's defeated. Satan already knows he's lost the battle. Satan knows he has no chance when he fights against God. He already knows that greater is he than is Satan. He already knows that all Satan's trying to do is get in as many blows as he can before he gets KO'd. That's all he's doing. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do as much damage as I can. I know I've already lost, but I'm going I'm to do as much damage as I can. That's all he's doing. He's on the defensive. God is on the offensive. He is fighting for us, and that's what that word means. And because of that, you will see the deliverance of the Lord. You will, because he's in control of the battle. So this morning, I want to look at two words, fight and deliverance. Those two words, because those are the two promises that the Lord will fight for us, you will see the deliverance. So let's talk about the first word, fight, first. There are four truths that I see here in this Exodus story about the fight that I think can help us as we encounter these struggles from here to there. Here's the first one is, I want you to think, fight is fights. Fight is fights. I want you to think plural, not singular. I want you to think many, not just one. When you look at the Israelites, they encountered many battles. They encountered a lot of battles while they were still in Egypt. They encountered multiple battles on their journey through the desert. They even encounter many battles once they get into the promised land. I want you to think the same way. When we're talking about the fight, we're talking about multiple fights. The reason there are multiple fights is because movement is ongoing. We're not just talking about one move from here 
to there. Because here's the picture. Let's say you're here, but God's moving you there. Once you get there, there becomes your new here. And now you're here, but now God's calling you there. So I'm going to go over there, and this there becomes my new here. But now God's calling me there. And it's, it's a continual movement. God is always trying to advance us. God is always trying to propel us. God is always trying to mature us and equip us, moving us closer and closer into the image of Christ. So the movement is constant. It's ongoing. Therefore, you're going to encounter these struggles and battles and obstacles and hindrances every time you're moving from here to there. In other words, as a follower of Christ, you are a lifer when it comes to spiritual warfare. It's not going to end. And it's because we have an enemy who is relentlessly pursuing us and attacking us and firing his darts at us and tempting us. But because we want to follow Christ, we are constantly seeking to resist that. Therefore, we have this fight that's going to take place, moving us from here to there. So think fight is fight. It's plural. Second truth, think fights are fights. We're talking about fights. We're not talking about a picnic. We're not talking about a stroll through the park. We're not talking about walking down easy street. We're talking about a fight. I don't know if this ever happened with you, with siblings or maybe your friends when you're growing up. You'd start kind of fighting with one another. You're just playing around. You're just, you're just play fighting and you're goofing around and everything's fun and everything's light and easy until somebody gets mad. <laughs> and then the fight's on. It becomes real very quickly. We're talking about real fight. We're talking about real struggles, real hindrances, real obstacles, real conflict. Moses realizes that he's in a fight. One is because it lasts longer than he thought it would. Sometimes we think when we get in this spiritual struggle, we, we, we get a little discouraged because the fight takes a little longer than we thought it was going to take. And the reason is because it's a fight. In chapter 5, verse 23, we see Moses uh, praying to God. And this is after his first encounter with Pharaoh, this initial contact that he had. And Moses prays, Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Can't you just hear the, the tone? You haven't done a thing. In other words, he has this I'm using my imagination now, but I can imagine that Moses at this point is thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to have one contact with Pharaoh. I'm going to tell him who I am, what I'm doing. He's not going to believe me. Well, I'm going to throw a couple of, of God's going to do a couple of miracles. Pharaoh's going to be terrified and he's going to let him go. And so 30 minutes, hour, it's going to be done. Boom, we're out of here. We're gone. It didn't happen that way. Moses learned very quickly, this is going to be a fight because it's going to last a lot longer than he anticipated. The longest battle recorded in history is the Battle of Verdun. It lasted from February to December 1916. Ten months, one battle, ten months. The longest war was a Dutch war. It lasted 335 years. Can't you imagine, don't you wonder what the soldiers are thinking when in those battles and in that war, how long this is going on going to continue? How long is this battle going to last? 
don't you think they're thinking, when is this ever going to be over? Have you ever been in that place in your life when you've been in this conflict, you've been in this fight, you've been facing this conflict and these obstacles, you've had this spiritual battle going on and you're wondering in your heart and your spirit, when in the world is this going to stop? I've been battling this thing forever. It's a fight. Sometimes it lasts longer than you think. But also sometimes things get worse before they get better. We see that in chapter 5 as well, up in verses 7 through 9. This is Pharaoh talking now. And he's talking to his, his management team, the people that are overseeing all the work of the Israelites. It says in verse 7, You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks, but maintain the same number of bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Make them work harder. In other words, they were given the supply. All they had to do was make the product, but now they've got to go find the supply and make the same amount of product. They're going to make it harder. And if you go through this story time and time again, the Israelites begin to think, this is awful. I can't believe you've brought us to this place and now this is about to happen. And over and over, you see the Israelites saying, we want to go back to Egypt. This is way too hard. We want to go back because they felt in their mind things were getting worse instead of getting better. Sometimes that happens because it's a fight. And sometimes the situation gets worse. Have you been in that situation where you know God's calling you to do something? You know you are right smack in the middle of God's will. You're doing exactly what God's calling you to do and doing what God wants you to do, but the world starts caving in, the floor falls out, and everything is just coming in against you. It's a struggle. It's a battle. And you think, why in the world, when I'm seeking to honor God, everything's falling apart around me? It's because you're in a fight. And sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But the good news about the fight, the last two truths, great news. The third truth about the fight is the fight makes you a fighter. <laughs> the fight will make you a fighter. As you fight, you're going to become stronger. The fight is going to actually build strength. All these battles, all these roadblocks, all these hindrances, all these emotional things taking place in your life, every one of those are actually going to strengthen you and prepare you for the next battle to come. It's going to make you stronger. Chapter 1, verse 12 says, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the picture here is that the, the Israelites were already growing in number. They were growing stronger and stronger. That's what worried the Pharaoh in the first place. That's what caused the Pharaoh to begin to oppress them in the first place. And he's thinking, if I will oppress them, the more I oppress them, the weaker they're going to become. But the actual opposite happened. The more they were oppressed, the stronger they grew. And there's a spiritual principle there as you fight these battles it's going to make you a fighter, and not only are you going to end up winning that battle, but now you're going to be even more prepared and more equipped for the next one. And here's the fourth truth. This is the, the best truth of the four. The fight is winnable. In fact, every single fight is winnable. Every battle you incur, in, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incur. You can curl them too if you want to. Every obstacle, every hindrance, every struggle, it's winnable. There's a great passage in chapter 13, in verses 17 and 18, that, 
that you can miss this truth really easily because the truth is not expressed in the passage. It's inferred in the passage. Here's what 13, 17, 18 says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. In other words, there was a direct line that God could have taken them, but that was right in the middle of enemy territory. So God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, and the Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. It's a great principle, a great truth inferred here. One's not inferred, one's stated, and that's we're armed for battle. The fight's winnable because we are armed for battle. The Israelites left armed for battle. And God has armed us as his children. Ephesians 6 says we have the full armor of God. All we have to do is to be sure we're wearing it. 2 Corinthians 10 says we have weapons that have the ability to demolish strongholds. Acts 1 says we have the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within us. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit is always interceding on our behalf. 2 Peter 1 says that we have everything that we need for life and godliness. God has equipped us and armed us through his presence and his power and his spirit and through the gifting to win every single battle. But the other reason also is because God spares us from certain battles. And here's the inferred truth I want us to think about. It's an interesting story here. God did not lead them straight through enemy territory. Rather, he was afraid they would become fearful and discouraged, so he took another route. Now, in this story, God never said if they were to fight the Philistines, they would lose. They wouldn't have lost because God's going to fight for them and they're going to see the deliverance. But they were going to become fearful. They weren't even going to be willing to go into the fight because they didn't feel like they were prepared. And part of that's reasonable. If you think about it, they've been slaves, not soldiers. They've been making bricks. They haven't been training for war. So if they see this battle at this point, they're going to become so terrified and discouraged, they're not going to want to battle. So God knew that. So God takes them a different route. God gets them where he wants them, but he takes them a different way. Now, what that tells me is he'll do the same thing with us. But the inferred statement is, when it comes to our spiritual battles, if we are in it, we can win it. If we're in the battle, we can win the battle. I don't know if any of you watch any of the reality TV shows like American Idol or Survivor or uh, what's the other, America's Got Talent. If you've ever seen kind of when the series starts, they'll interview some of the contestants. And they ask them the question, why, why are you, why'd you sign up for this? Why are you doing this? Well, they're going to say, because we want to win it. I want to be the next American Idol. And so the, 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 they'll ask them the question, do you really think you can win this competition? Yeah, we can win this competition. And so the mantra for a lot of these reality shows is, I'm in it to win it. Well, that should be the attitude that we have when it comes to our spiritual fights and spiritual battles. I'm in it to win it because the reality is, if I am in it, I can win it because God is so good. He is so wise. He knows what battles we are ready for. And if we're in a situation in our life that God's going to take us from here to there, but he knows there's some conflicts, some battles, some obstacles that, 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 that we're not It's going to discourage us. What God's going to do is take you around that. He's still going to get you there. 
but he's going to move you around it because he's going to prepare you. But what that means is any battle he sends you through, you're ready for it. You're prepared for it. You're armed for it. You've got the strength for it. If you're in the battle, you can win the battle because if you couldn't win the battle, God wouldn't put you in the battle. And that's the good news about the fight. Every single fight is winnable. And God is fighting for you. This is a weird analogy, but just act like for some reason you've been mandated to go fight a professional fighter. You have to step into an MMA ring with the, with the pro or into a boxing ring with the pro or get on that wrestling mat with the pro. And you're scared to death because you don't know how to do any of that. But right before the fight starts, in comes the reigning world champion, undefeated champion who steps in and puts you aside and says, I'll fight for you. That's the picture here. When God says he's going to fight for us, what that means is, he is, he is everything we're fighting with is, is through him. It's his strength. It's his power. It's his wisdom. He's actually fighting for us. He's fighting through us. He's fighting with us. And we know that he is omnipotent. So not only is he undefeated, he's undefeatable. God's never lost a battle. He's never going to lose a battle. So when he brings us through the battle, he fights for us. It's winnable because he's not going to lose it. So that's the word fight. Let's look at the second word quickly. That's the word deliverance. Because it's a twofold promise. Not only will God fight for you, but you will see the deliverance of the Lord. But there are three things that we've got to do to see the deliverance of the Lord here in this passage in Exodus 14. The first is we have to stand sure. Verse 13 says, do not be afraid. That really means to stand sure. That word afraid has, has uh, two sides of a definition. When it's talking about God, it means to respect and to revere, to honor. But when it's talking about the other side, it means to be terrified, to be int intimidated, to be frightened. In Exodus chapter 20, in verses 18 through 20, we actually see this word being used with both definitions. Moses is, is on the mountain with God. And since he's in God's presence, you see this lightning and thunder and this, and this big cloud around the mountain. Well, all the children of Israel, they, they see all this and they hear all this and all the smoke. And, the, and verse 18 says that they trembled with fear. But the encouragement is, do not be afraid. The fear of God be with you. In other words, what it's trying to say when we stand sure, what stand sure means is that I'm going to fear God. I'm not going to fear the enemy. I'm going to fear God. I'm not going to fear the battle. I'm going to fear, honor, respect God. I'm not going to be terrified of, of the battle. All of my fears in God is not in the battle, and I'm honoring him. What that means is I know who God is. I know what God can do. I know what God has done in the past and all of his power and his glory and his majesty. I know who God is, the king of kings, the creator, the provider. I know who he is. So I can stand sure, determined, knowing that I've got a confidence that he's going to win the battle for me. You've heard the old adage, I'm sure, small God, big problems. Big God, small problems. That's the idea here. Every battle I face, every hindrance I come across, every obstacle, it's not a big deal because I know who God is 
and I'm sure he's going to make a way. See, in this context, the Israelites, they've already seen what God can do, even to this point. God's already brought a rescuer to free them from bondage out of Egypt. God's already executed this plague after plague, setting their freedom, demonstrating his power. He spared them from every one of those plagues so they didn't have to to walk through the midst of that. He caused favor from the Egyptians that we talked about last week, that the Egyptians are giving them their gold and their silver and their clothing. They're, They're multiplying even in the midst of oppression. They've seen time and time again who God is and what God can do. And all that does is make us be able to stand sure that God's gonna do the same thing. And that's the principle for us this morning. Whatever battle you face... God's greater. Whatever mountain's in your way, he can move. Whatever obstacle that's blocking your way, he can remove. Even like the Israelites, when there seems there is no way, when it seems like we are trapped by the grip of the enemy, we can be sure that God's going to make a way because we know who he is. That ties into the second, and that is to stand strong. Not only do we stand sure, but we stand strong. That means to be resolute, to be determined, to stand your ground. And they're linked together because the ability to stand strong is based on our resolve to stand sure. In other words, my resolve to stand sure, knowing who God is, I'm I'm so convinced to who God is, that gives me the ability to stand strong and be undeterred. That allows me not to let my emotions sway what I do. It keeps me from what I'm seeing with, with my physical eyes from being deterred. Because I know spiritually what God's gonna, I'm able to stand strong because I know what God's gonna do. So yes, I may see the army, I may see the sea. It may appear that I'm hemmed in. It may appear that there's no way out, but I'm going to stand strong because I know my God is able to make a way even when there is no way because I know who he is. So I'll stand sure and I'll stand strong. But thirdly, I've got to stand still. That's what he says in verse 14. All you have to do is be still. Now, that word has several definitions. It has three primary definitions to it, applications. One means to be silent, to be quiet. And the connotation here is that the Israelites were always complaining, always grumbling. And when something bad happened, when they find themselves in the midst of this fight, in the midst of this struggle, they just start complaining. They start griping. They gripe about God. They gripe to God. They gripe about Moses. They gripe to Moses. They gripe, they're just complaining. And so the idea is, hey, stop it. Stop complaining and stop grumbling. Just be quiet. How many times do we find ourselves in the midst of these battles and struggles and hindrances and obstacles and the fight and we just start to say, God, why? What are you doing? And we start to complain. Don't start complaining. Just be silent. It also means to become deaf. This is an interesting definition But it also applies to the Israelites because what would happen is as they're complaining, I'm listening to everybody else complaining. 
So maybe I'm not as bad. Maybe I've got some faith. Maybe I'm not so discouraged or fearful, but I'm hearing everybody else complaining and griping and they're afraid and they're discouraged. So that just feeds me and feeds me. And so now I'm listening to all the mob talk. And what he's saying is become deaf. Quit listening to the wrong voices. And for us, when we find ourselves in the midst of the battle, we have to become deaf to the wrong voices. Don't listen to what the enemy's speaking into you. Don't listen to what the world is trying to speak into you. Don't listen to what your flesh is trying to speak into you. Become deaf to every other voice besides God's and listen to what he's speaking into you. And the third definition simply means to make no moves. Just be still. With our grandkids, sometimes when I'm watching them, we'll play this little game. I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's follow me or whatever it is, but they'll, they'll do something. You've got, they're the leader, so you've got to follow them. And so they'll do stuff, but when they say stop, you've got to stop. And so you're walking, you're doing whatever, and they'll say stop, and you've got to stop. Exactly the way you are, and you can't move. You can't move until they move. And they get ticked off if you do. So you just stay still. They'll start to move, and you start to move, and they'll stop. You only move when they say move. You only move when they move. And that's the picture right here. God's saying, make no moves. Quit trying to manipulate everything. Quit trying to take it into your own hands. Quit trying to figure out how you're going to solve all this and make no moves. You only move when I say move. Just be still. It's like what Psalm 46.10 says. Be still and know that I am God. Calm down. Don't worry. Remember, God has it all in control. God is omnipotent. He has the power. God is omniscient. He has the wisdom. God is omnipresent which means he can fight my battle the same time he's fighting yours. He doesn't have to wait. I don't have to sit around and wait for him to fight mine until he's done with yours. <laughs> he can handle them all at the same time. Just be still. And you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. They did. Chapter 14, verse 15, God divides the water. Verse 19, the angel of God, the pillar of cloud, comes in between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Verse 21, the Israelites cross over the water. Verse 23, the Egyptians don't. And they see the deliverance of the Lord. So here's the punchline for us this morning. Here's the application. God wants to do a great work in your life. And God wants to use you to do a great work in others' lives. God wants to make a great impact in your life and do things in you. But God wants to do things through you and use you to be an instrument that makes a great impact in the lives of others and in the community and in the world in which we live. But our enemy, Satan, does not want that to happen. But the good news is, though he may pursue and though he may persist, he will not prevail. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And our God is fighting for us. So every obstacle, every hindrance, every roadblock, every struggle, every emotional fear, whatever, whatever's going through, as God's moving you from here to there, as God's advancing you and moving you forward so that he can work in you and through you, 
you know that he's fighting for you. And if you'll be sure and you'll be strong and you'll be still, you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Would you bow with me? Thanks for listening. We truly hope that you are blessed and encouraged. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org.